Let me get all my gunk out of my throat. You're <clears> what? <throat> Excuse me. I feel like I sound especially low today and raspy. Do I sound weird? Do I sound, you sound low? Sick? A, a little. No. A, it sounds like you just no. woke up. It's morning oh. for me too. It's what is morning. It's morning in America. <laughs> but I've been up for a while. It's one of those things that just like I was telling you before. You know, I get up early, go for a run, and I'm breathing in all of the ragweed and all of the bleh that's outside. And then come back and take a shower, and that loosens everything up that's been building up inside my head, and now it's all coming out. And it's time to record a podcast. Hmm. So, and Bob's wearing—he's wearing a drool cup underneath. Tell everybody. <laughs> I'm gonna tell everybody. Bob's got a video coming out of a drool cup that he wears on his neck. Hmm. <laughs> 3D printed <laughs> spittoon, maybe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> 3D printed. So, Jimmy, you just got back. I got like back at two in the morning. Ago. Yeah, I got back at two in the morning from the Louisville Maker Fair. And uh, I had a fantastic time, amazing time. And uh, I guess I can clear it up a little bit. We talked about it on stage yesterday. But a lot of people, like, think I brought that bandsaw down to Louisville in a truck. Everyone just assumes everywhere I am far away from my house. I drove there. But I flew to Louisville. And when I did drive there a few months, like a month ago, I worked on a project with the first build. During one of our lunch breaks, we went to a place that was auctioning off all their tools, just kind of as a curiosity trip. And to look at the tools, and of course, I bought the bandsaw. I auctioned, <clears throat> I I bid on the bandsaw. Everything was being auctioned, and the guys at first build said, "Hey, if you win it, no worries, we'll 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 pick it up for you." Uh, anyway, I won the bandsaw, so they went and picked it up for me. They were super gracious, and you know, it's like saying to somebody, "Oh, hey, could you go get my pet elephant? It's yeah, it just needs shots today." Could you? Oh, great, thanks. <laughs> so they went and picked up my pet elephant for me and brought it back to there loading dock at the first build. And then when Make Affair was coming close, the Louisville Make Affair, <clears throat> somebody on the team suggested that they bring the bandsaw over to the to the fair for me to play on. And that was the best idea I think I've heard in like the last 10 years. Because I went to the Make Affair and the bandsaw was sitting there waiting for me with a giant pile of two by fours. And I spent the entire weekend just cutting things up and letters, names. I kept challenging myself, asking the people, young kids, what do you want? What would you want to see made? And, you know, they'd come up with silly things, robot butterfly, or somebody asked me to make a bee. And there was a high school there, and their mascot is a yellow jacket. So I made a, a yellow jacket bee, anatomically correct, as my memory serves. It ended up looking pretty cool. Little, definitely looked like a bee, but I mean, I'm sure if you compared it to a real bee, it would be wrong. But I made it about 10 inches in <laughs> diameter, you know, 10 inches from head to toe. So it's really fun for me to sit at the bandsaw and just take requests from kids. And, oh, can you make this? Can you make that? And and it challenges, it's like it challenges my, my, own, my own internal Google image search. Because I just immediately go right to whatever I think it is. <laughs> And I, and I and the best part is I very rarely do a pencil sketch. I just jump right in and just start free freestyling on the band. So and it's super fun. I want to I want to like I want to put it out there. Like if there's any companies that want to hire me for a trade show to just stand at a bandsaw and cut stuff, because there was a pretty decent crowd every time I flipped the bandsaw on. Because also this thing was an attraction in and of itself. It's a 1925 oh, yeah, old cast iron, beautiful in really good shape. Because where where it was moved from this month. It had sat since 1935. So when big, heavy cast iron things don't move, they stay in good shape. It's when you move them is when you see the damage on them. And anyway, so the guys at, at First Build, uh, I just I can't thank you enough for providing the opportunity for me to play with that bandsaw. And uh, they're going to crate it up, and we're going to arrange shipping to have it brought up here. So I'm going to get it back up here, and I'm going to put it right beside my laser bandsaw, which the laser bandsaw will be modified onto a new housing eventually. But uh, that was that's the saga of the band. So I did not bring it with me, and I did not bring it home with me. It was originally, it's native to Louisville, the city of Louisville. It was in Taylorsville. It was actually where it came from. So, And, and the Make Affair in Louisville, I must say, was an amazing success. 15 times bigger or more than the one last year. And oh, yeah. I said, what, what, was, what was the growth due to? I asked Austin, and he said, just time and energy that we put into it this year that nobody put into it last year. So it was a it was a great event. It was a really great event. Bob, you were there. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, it was uh, it was really refreshing to go to it and be like, oh, this is a Maker Fair. Like this isn't 
this isn't like somebody was standing in a parking lot thinking about Maker Faire. Yeah, that's kind of what I, I must like. say. This, this was like a it was the Fair. it was the biggest you know uh, 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 what, what do you mini it was the biggest mini Maker Faire I'd ever seen. I think. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I've been to uh, I've been to a few of them. Uh, the, the second biggest one in my memory serves as uh, New Orleans. You've been to New Orleans, right? This is mm-hmm. at least as yep. big as the New Orleans one, maybe even bigger. Yeah, probably a little bit bigger. I mean, I went to Atlanta a couple of times, and it changed locations and changed who was running it. So, you know, it kind of fluctuated as well. But it was a, a decent size. But this one definitely, it felt like I we were there for the afternoon, and it felt like there was a lot that I didn't get to see. I know I didn't see it all just because I didn't have the time to walk through every single thing. But there was enough that you couldn't make one pass through, you know, and get everything. So that was really cool. And Dale Darty was there. Huh. which was super cool. I had no idea he was born in Louisville and yeah. like moved out to California. He went to high school and stuff in Louisville and went to U- UofL. I had yeah. no idea. And so I got to talk to him about all that stuff. And he yeah. knew like the town that I grew up in. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. pretty wild, but it was cool seeing him there. Um, Do you know what the future he, he of down. make is like, did you discuss well, make, that? Make has uh make, make actually has all their assets back and they're just basically a grassroots startup again. They have all. They own all their own assets, all the the logos and everything. Basically, from what I could surmise from my heard on podcasts and various things, the the maker brand was being funded by some hedge fund guys or some investment capital investment guys, and they all just grew impatient with not turning a profit, so they all just backed out, and that's what looked like the end for them this summer. When in fact Dale just was able to get all the the assets back, everything. So now it's a tight team again, and the magazine is still going to go on. And as capital develops and builds, and other investors come along, the fairs will start again. That's that's just my to, understanding. Just to clear, you said Maker Brand, which is a separate company. Not, oh yeah, right, not, right. Yeah, not yeah. Maker Brand. Okay, Maker. so it's called Make, like the just like Make Magazine, but it's called Make Community. Okay, now the new web address is Make dot co. In case you want to check that out, and they have. The new magazine starts, I think he said this month. I'm pretty sure like they're working on the first issue. A lot of the core group of people that were working there before are working there again or still or whatever. Pretty sure Caleb so and really Mike cool. are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got asked uh, to write an article for it, and I was like, oh, we're, oh, nice. we're everything is back to normal. So that's good. Yeah, I mean, it's changing, but... What I understand, and if you guys heard this, you could corroborate it. I heard that they're going to kind of dig into the YouTube community a little bit more. And kind of, they see that's like the biggest proliferation of what they do is what mm-hmm. we what we help them proliferate. So I think they're going to focus on us a little bit more and get us a little bit more in the loop of stuff. Now that's just what I've absorbed, just kind of proliferally. That's not really firsthand knowledge. I'm, I'm assuming they have control of the YouTube channel, which I believe has over a million subscribers. So there's they have a, a community there yeah. that they can they have access to as far as i understand they have control over everything because i know they've That's been good. putting out videos caleb's been putting out videos yeah. on the youtube they're channel working lately, on it so. yeah i don't think any of the investors you know they, they just like you know what this isn't working for us so they just moved away and there was yeah. no like oh we're taking this and we're gonna take this and we're gonna take our socks and this is and there's none of that <laughs> <laughs> i haven't heard anything about maker fair as far as like the big ones and it's probably too early to know whether those are gonna come back or survive at all or whatever. But I think the fact that the smaller fairs, more localized fairs are happening still is a good sign that even if the big ones don't come back, like the the more localized ones will continue on just based on where they are. And like we talked about before, how involved local communities want to be in making them happen. And in Louisville, you know, like that was really orchestrated by the first build group there. And there were uh, there's a few maker spaces around town. They all came and were a part of it. Um, you know, us making the trek there to be a part of it was a very tiny thing. But there were a bunch of actually local to Louisville makers that came, and there were there were people from further out too that just came in to be a part of it. And it, that's what it takes to make something like that happen. You, people have to stand up and be involved in it, and it was really cool to see that. So, so. There are a lot of people that ask me, <laughs> Bob's laughing at me. There are a few people that ask me, how come you would come to Louisville? Like people think that, some people think, not all people. There's a few people think that like 
we are like too big for our britches. Everyone's like, well, Bob's here, of course, because he lives in the parking lot of Louisville. You know, like everyone's like, oh, yeah, well, Bob's here because he lives right around the corner. And I, I enjoy this community. I really do enjoy it. People think, oh, oh, like, did you, did you get a helicopter ride here? Like, how did you get here? You know, like people think that I'm like, <laughs> you know, some giant rich somebody that's like thinks that everything that I used to do is too beneath me now. People were really surprised. Like, what, 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 why did you come to the Louisville Maker Fair? Like, what, why did you come here? Like, did they pay you a lot? I didn't get paid at all. I came completely f- because I enjoy doing this. So I just want to make that clear. I think this is a contained audience. I think the people that listen to this understand that about me. But I was surprised a few people like, kind of like pulled me aside and like, like, why did you come to, like, why are you here at Louisville? Like, why did you come here? Isn't this like nothing to you? And that's not true at all. And I have two families now in Louisville. I have the first build family, which is, which is I, I consider those guys my family and my my whiskey friends there, that I've been going to Louisville for the last five or seven years. So, I like Louisville. And one of these days, you need to come to my house, which yes. is not far from Louisville. You come see everybody else, and you don't come to my <laughs> house. I mean, <laughs> well, you on. live in the parking lot of first build, so I see you there. That's all true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, at some point, seriously though, we we need to get you down here, which is you, you know a, I'm about 35, 40 minutes away. Do you have a helipad? But a helipad? Yeah, um, a helipad? I can get one built for you okay, if that's good. what it'll take to get you here. Because you know I'm I'll rich enough to have a helicopter, helipad. and you're rich enough to build a helipad, so it's a good idea. <laughs> let's let's, let's <laughs> yeah, do a totally. collaboration. <laughs> okay, <laughs> actually, so Jimmy and I we did a talk yesterday together, and we talked about a collaboration. Oh yeah on that Stage. in that talk that maybe we shouldn't spoil here because we actually have to figure out how to do it but <laughs> yeah. we did start that conversation so that was kind of cool this in front of a group of people and as soon as we got off the stage people were coming up to me <laughs> and like oh well this is how you do it this is <laughs> how you do it I'm like oh, well thank you <laughs> and one guy who was being nice one guy who was being very nice said i'll do the electronics for you and i was like well, I think that was my part. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if you do the electronics, then basically you can work with Jimmy and not me. Yeah, yeah, so. right. It was funny, though. But people were super cool. Uh, it was a really good time. We got to meet and see a lot of um, just awesome people that came out and to hang out. And I had a really good time. It was nice to to go and just walk around and like be with my kids and have people who, you know, watch the channel and listen to the podcast come and talk to me, but also be totally aware that I was with my family. And I had a lot of people who were like, Hey, I just want to say hi. I know you're with your kids and they're your priority, but I wanted to say hi later. And, and I mean, like, I appreciate that. Not that that they have to do that. I was there to talk to people as well, but I appreciate the fact that people are aware of, you know, like maker fair is cool for everybody. And like, if I don't get to see any of it, then I'm missing out on that too. So yeah. thank you. It was nice, Bob, that all your bodyguards held back and they let you guys walk ahead of them. It was really nice. <laughs> well, nobody could see them. They're all yeah. in disguise. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and it's hard to come up with 25 different disguises for all of the different people yeah. guarding us. Yeah. Right? yeah, so, yeah. You know, but we did. There's like a little girl holding Our a balloon, fashion. but yeah, it's like a six foot five football player. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it was a good time. And I got to hang out with Jimmy. So that's fun. David. Yeah. What did you do this weekend? Because you weren't with us. No. I, I I backed out of going to that because I'm actually heading to California in a couple of days to go hang out with Ben from Homemade Modern. So, sorry. Oh, cool. You're going to you going Not to that he's event. more important than you, but I just didn't want to do two trips back to back. Ben's got two helicopters, mm-hmm. by the way. <laughs> right. I only have one. <laughs> so, more on that. Uh, at a later date. But over the weekend, I pretty much started my new hobby, which I am 100% all in, and I am so excited. I picked up a used go-kart for $500 on on, uh, Facebook Marketplace. Uh, we'll talk more about so Facebook. Cool. That, a bit. Let, let me let me let me pause you right there. Yeah, because that's amazing to me that you could even find a go kart on and, and like you weren't you didn't look for a long time, right? It was just like, hey, I'll just search for it. Oh, look, there's one. I'll yeah. take it. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Dude. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. The, the the quick story that led up to that is about a month ago, I went to a sprint car race, which I used to go to a lot when I was a kid, and then twenty, and then for like twenty years, I didn't go, and I went, and I had a great time, and I was like, man, I want to, I want to keep going to more races, and then the next week, my buddy Brian, who drives sprint cars, says, hey, I need help in the pits, and then like I got hands on of changing tires and adding fuel and and learning about setup and stuff, and I'm like, I want to do this, and so then like I'll never be able to afford a sprint car. 
because of, you know, it's just a crazy, insane cost of just getting started. Like, maybe I'll go to a sprint car driving school for a weekend. And then my cousin who has a go-kart track and they have a couple races out there every year. And there's a whole like oval dirt circuit um, in this area that you can race in. I was like, well, that's a good way to get involved in racing is something that's a little bit more more affordable. So I just started looking for a go-kart. I found one for, it was listed at $600. I sent a listing to my cousin, Tony. I'm like, is this a good deal? Like I can, and he's like, yeah, uh, the, the guy says he needs money. You might be able to get 500, get him down to 500. So I did. And it's pretty much, it's race ready. It's not competitive compared to the other go-karts that run in this area. Um, but there was an open practice the other night and I went, uh, I had to borrow some tires cause it came with slicks and we're racing on dirt. So somebody gave me some tires to, to play with and it was so much fun. I just, it was like, I, I could not believe how much fun I was having and people were giving me advice and like it, there's definitely a skill cause People are like, you have to go harder into the turns and you're letting up off the throttle too much. But it feels like when I go harder into the turns, like I'm just going to fly off the track. So there's a, a confidence that I need to build up and a skill. And my uh, my uncle is who's um, he's built race cars all his life. He's actually built me a more competitive motor to run. And I've got new tires and wow. rims coming. So I'm going to run one race in November. It'll be the only race that I run this year and be the only race that that go-kart that I bought is going to race in. So then over the winter, the plan is to make my own chassis. So I bought the go-kart so I can, I can kind of take measurements off of it. I can just get a feel of what it's supposed to, what it's supposed to do and feel like and, and the size and everything. So uh, my, the whole metalworking thing that I got into this year is led up to this. And That's so I'm going to buy a bunch of tubing. I don't have a tube bender and I've never bent tube, but that is something I'm going to learn while I build the chassis mm-hmm. over the, over mm-hmm. the winter. That's and amazing. Awesome. I'm fortunate enough where I can take these hobbies and then turn it into part of what I do for a living. So I can make some welding videos. I can make some tube vending videos, maybe kind of an overview of, I don't know if I will do too many go-kart videos just because I don't know if my audience is going to be into it. I got a feeling like if I did a getting started in, in kart racing that the video would, would tank. So we'll see. We'll see. But I, there's definitely some some maker videos in the process. And, and yeah, I mean, I'm so excited. You never, you never know with the audience thing, though. I mean, something like that, it, it, it's not out of left field because I know you and because we've been talking about this. But from somebody who doesn't have like a weekly conversation with you. Yeah. That may be so out of left field that they're like, what? Wait, <laughs> go-karts? That sounds awesome. Tell me more, yeah. you know? So, like, maybe don't count that out. It could be it could be something really cool. Yeah, for sure. I, so, the whole... I'm filming everything. So, as I take yeah. it apart and as I build it, I'll film everything. So, if I w- do want to make those videos, I'll have all the footage there. Yeah. It's... That's awesome. Crazy awesome. Like, there are... So, the the reason that this, this um, circuit exist is it's it's kind of like as my cousin was trying to tell me it's like it's people who want to get into racing who really can't get into racing so this is kind of like like that version of that so i mean it's it's not kids it's it's a it's a bunch of people in their 40s like me who always love racing and and want to get involved and the motors the motor is a harbor freight six and a half horsepower motor it cost 120 bucks. But then wow. there are actually like $500 of upgrades you can do to that motor to make it more competitive. But it all starts with the, um, it's like a, they call it the Predator clone motor, which is 120 bucks at Harbor Freight. So, yeah. Wow. Crazy. I don't know nothing the- about small engines, but I'm, I'm totally diving in and, and uh, yeah. getting involved. That's great. Isn't that cool that like, you know, you started doing the metalworking stuff, I think, with the intention of using it for making art pieces, right? right? And so you you really went down this one path, and now it's all of a sudden all those skills that you've picked up can transfer to this new hobby. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. It's now you make an art art go-kart. Seriously. There you like, go. You know, yeah. Put your artfulness <laughs> into the go-kart. Art. Ooh, that's go art. Art. Gort. I, I, I see what you did there. Yeah. You like uh, that? So uh, that reminds me, uh, I talked a little bit about this yesterday. I don't know if 
Bob, remind me if I talked about this on stage, I don't remember. But the guys at First Build, we, we want to do a collaboration. And me and Austin, uh, the first thing we, we talked about was doing a go-kart. And I said, either at the end of April or the beginning of May, I want to try and open up the go-kart track to anybody. We'll pick a weekend and everybody who has a, a go-kart wants to bring it. We could do time trials. And it's really just an excuse for everybody to get together here in East Durham <laughs> and take the winter to build a go-kart. And I think the only... The only restrictions I'll put on it, I've talked about this a few times, but since you're on the subject, the only restrictions I'll put on it is the wheelbase. And that's just so that everybody has a fighting equal chance. But even if the thing is 15 feet long, bring it. If you can make it around the track, let's have fun. But if we could stick to a wheelbase that's works on my track, that's just because some of the turns are pretty tight. It's not a huge track. And I'll start doing some social media on exactly what it looks like. And going into the spring, if people want to, build or over the winter, build a go-kart and bring it hmm. up here, going into the spring, start doing videos and social media on your go-kart. And we'll see who has the fastest go-kart. <laughs> and that's really the only way we can compete. We can't, it can't be like a marathon of 700 people at the line with a go-kart because it all won't fit on the track. But we could then do like a bracket and like the top two, the, the second two. and The, you know, the time trials is the safe way to go about it. So you don't have open wheels bumping up against each other. and Yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, I, I guess I'll keep the slicks that came with my cart then. <laughs> Definitely, because it's Definitely. it's a it's a paved track, right? Yeah, yeah. At the moment, it's a paved track with thousands of broken sticks on it. So <laughs> when we drive on it, it drifts. You could drift really nice on it because it's all just like crushed. Because it's, it's the whole property is completely covered in trees, so it's completely under like a canopy. The whole property, which is cool, hmm. and the the track itself has got hundreds of trees like broken branches all over it's great hmm. yeah <laughs> it sounds great it sounds like a, really good for racing it's like a haunted playground <laughs> i saved the the instagram story so you can apparently you can save little stories so they're there forever on instagram but the go-kart that i bought didn't have a rear bumper and the bumper is actually replaceable so as it gets damaged or whatever you can put in a new one and since i am only running this particular chassis one time i welded on a bumper and i did a little instagram story of that and then a little bit of instagram story of me at the track during the open practice there's no footage of me because it was really hard to film and drive at the same time but there's footage of, of <laughs> other people and you can kind of get a sense of how fast these carts are going around this little this little dirt track it's got huge bank turns so you you can the, the, the good drivers can keep up their speed the whole time and mm. open throttle. I can't. I don't have that skill yet. And I'm crazy sore from manhandling that cart. I can't believe how sore I am. Yeah. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And, like, you've barely had any time on it on a track. So yeah. probably a little more practice and you'll get way more confidence, you know? Yeah. The um, the, the track owner, my, my cousin and, and uncle and aunt, they, uh, they said they'll have a couple more open practices before that race in november so i'll have a little bit more chance to I'll, my my new engine should be done by that time too so i'll have something that's a little bit more competitive i was not able to pass a single person during the whole practice run i went out like three mm. or four times and everybody else was far more skill and and far more competitive carts so but i stayed out of harm's way i never spun out i never put anybody i never hit anybody so i was i was really happy with my performance of just Staying out of harm's way. <laughs> of not dying. Of not dying, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty safe. I mean, so the, yeah. the, the, the carts that we run, the, the wheels are six inch. So it's got a very, very low center of gravity. And so, it, and there's nerf bars and bumpers around the wheel. So it's open wheel, but it's not really open wheel. And it's, it's it's safe. I mean, you're wearing helmets and neck braces and gloves and and all that. So it's it's when you're that close to the ground, it makes you feel like you're going 400 miles an hour. It does. So cool. It really, really does. My go karts are probably cool. going like 20 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour, but you feel like you're doing 75. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are getting up to um, the, the, they're in the low 30s miles per hour just on around that small track. Not me, but wow. the the more competitive drivers. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I got a I got a one wheel this past week. Oh. Like yeah. And it's it's crazy. And I have that same feeling that you have where it's like I can get on it and I can skate or whatever. But then you get up to speed or you start trying to turn or you get a little 
and it gets really unwieldy very hmm. quickly. That's the thing with the, the yeah. big wheel in the middle and the board <laughs> on each side? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you sore from riding that? Fun. Um, not really. Hmm. The only thing that's sore is the arch of my feet because you kind of control it like a snowboard. On a snowboard, your feet are locked in and you point your toes to turn forward, you know, which is where you're facing. You point your toes or you point your heels and you use the edge of the board. <clears throat> and that's not an action I've done in a very long time. And so to do that thing on a board while you're, you're like, I'm, I'm probably more tense on it than I should be. Yeah, but I feel like I'm I'm trying to push down with my feet because I'm not strapped in or anything like that, and I'm really just overthinking it. I think, but by trying to point your toes and point your heels back and forth and back and forth, the arch of my feet gets sore. But other than that, I'm not sore because I haven't fallen yet. <laughs> Once I fall <laughs> and hit the ground, then I may get sore. But anyway, it's a fun thing, but there's nothing to build around it, and there's nothing you know. There's not really any modifications you can do. Uh, to change performance. I mean, I guess you could like change out the panels and stuff. Maybe I'll do that. But anyway, um, let's see. Last week, uh, what did I do? We finished up a project for Halloween that I won't really talk about yet because it's not quite done. I mean, the video is not done. Um, but so we were building this thing for a, a, a Lowe's video for Halloween. That'll be out soon. And then I had a couple of days left. Uh, I guess... Thursday and Friday, and it was like, I was I was feeling that thing, we talked about this a bunch of different times, but feeling that thing where, okay, I've got two days, I should come up with a really quick little project to throw in here, and that'll get me a week ahead. And I started feeling that thing that happens, at least to me, but I think <laughs> to most of us, where it's like, we got to keep going, you got to keep producing, you got to keep, you know, make another thing to stick to the, the to stick to the schedule and like. I gave that up a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I well, I'm I've been trying to give that up, and it's really hard. You know, I've been trying to get myself out of that. Oh, hey, cat! <laughs> um, trying to get myself <laughs> out of that mentality of like, you know, you always have to do more. You always have to squeeze another thing in because I just don't think that's sustainable, and it it adds an, an unnecessary pressure you know, that we just don't need. And I don't think anybody actually expects of us. Like um, the Beehive video that I was talking about last week hasn't been approved yet by the sponsor. So it didn't go out last week, which I thought was a possibility. The thing that was interesting, I put so much pressure on myself and on the team to try to stay on schedule and to get everything to the sponsors on time. You know, and we always try to hit our deadlines that we set. And we didn't put out a video last week and I didn't hear a single word from a single person about it, which is not a boo-hoo me. It's a, hey, look at that. It's not as big of a deal as we make it. You want want to hear something funny? So I haven't put out like a a new video in probably two weeks, like a brand new one. I've been, every Thursday I've been putting up the old ones. And a couple of people, just just to clarify, I put up one this week where it's kind of mixed up too, because we're finding when like, it seems like the algorithm forgot who I was because all my videos are doing really low numbers. And so just to mix it up, some of my older videos were kind of, I'm working with a couple of guys that are helping me edit a little bit, some of the old stuff, none of the new stuff. So we combined a couple of videos. So that's why last week's Throwback Thursday was a combination, trying to extend the videos and just also all my videos are on unlisted. So some of the theory is that because it's on unlisted, it's already been sifted through as far as the algorithm is concerned. And when I make it private, it's already been uploaded for a year and a half or two years on unlisted it all because it's it's loaded on my channel and it's loaded wherever it originally aired so they're afraid that if we don't freshen up the video with a new edit or something that it it might not have a fighting chance so we're just theorizing and playing around but somebody came up to me yesterday and said hey um so you think you're gonna start making videos again soon i was like what what have i what what do you know who i am do you watch my channel maybe you have confused with someone that doesn't make videos anymore I've consistently put up like four to five videos a month for like the last six years. Consistently. Sometimes it's three, sometimes it's eight. So I use that as an average. But it's funny when people just be like, oh, so I guess you don't make videos anymore, huh? You're just so busy. I guess you're in your helicopter and you're flying around the world. Hmm. (laughs) Like since you got on TV now, like that's it, right? You ever think you're going to come back to us, the little guys, and entertain us? I'm like... What? 
that's it. I'm done complaining. <laughs> well, I think what's interesting there is a lot of people don't go to like I I have my subscription feed for YouTube open. When I think of YouTube personally, it's the subscription feed. And if I ever go to the homepage of YouTube to find other stuff, it's because like I've gotten through everything I want to watch and I'm like, well, let's see what YouTube thinks I might like. And then I go to the homepage. But a lot of people, probably most people do it the other way around. They go to the homepage of YouTube and like that they watch whatever is there. And if it's something they subscribe to, they're like, oh, cool, there's a Jimmy video. I haven't seen one of those in a while. I'll check it out. But a lot of people just don't go for whatever reason to the subscription. And to me, that's like, this is the stuff that I actively said I want to see. And so that's where I'm going to go first. And then if I see other stuff in other places, awesome. You know, I find new things on the homepage, but I think I do it opposite of what the majority of people do. So a lot of people just miss videos because of that. Yeah. I spend a lot of, uh, when I go to home, uh, YouTube, a lot of times I'm going to the homepage first because as I become obsessed with different things, whether it's carding or metalworking or woodworking or art or whatever, um, there's a lot of glass cutting and stained glass videos in my feed recently. But I'm going to the homepage first because I'm looking for something new, something that I haven't discovered yet. And, and I like that when YouTube gives me that like that video, it's like, whoa, I didn't know about this channel. This is absolutely amazing. And then when I don't find anything on that homepage, then I'm going to my subscription. And I I don't know if that's the common way of the way people look at YouTube. Because I know some people are very much about their subscription. And some people have have said that to me in person and, and on Twitter, like, yeah, I only go to my subscription feed because that's what I want to watch. Who knows? Yeah. I do both. Well, so we actually had a kind of a topic in which this leads into, oddly enough. Um, it was a question that somebody sent to Jimmy uh, that Mike Ryback sent to, to Jimmy about. And it basically it was like, do you have to use all the social media platforms if you're trying to do YouTube? Like, can you do YouTube without promoting it on all these other places? Or I would assume, can you just do Instagram and not have YouTube or not have Twitter? Or, you know, can you do one without all? Mm-hmm. And I think to this thing, you, I, I would say the answer is absolutely yes. You can do any or a few or all or whatever you want. There's no rule, right? But in the case of YouTube where you your people who like your videos may not necessarily get to see them all, if they also follow you on the other social networks, that's another opportunity for you to throw out like, hey, I did a thing. And if you're interested, go to YouTube and watch it. If they don't yeah. look at their subscription feed and they miss it there if they happen to run across a little clip of it on you know, Instagram or whatever, um, that might be a way to kind of catch their attention where you may have missed them somewhere else. Or yeah. it, if something gets spread around on a different platform... Then it starts going viral uh, for there. For whatever reason, yeah, it goes viral there and it draws people back to the main original source. I mean, that's a good thing too, but you don't have to. At the end of the day, I don't think any of it can hurt you. It's only good. It's just a matter of where you want to focus your time. I, we were talking before we started how I basically gave up on Facebook. Every single time I open Facebook, it's a different set of how to do what. Everything's rearranged. Do you guys remember the very first time Facebook changed its uh, interface? And everybody was like, what? Yeah. Why did you do this? I'm so used to the other thing. Now they do that, it seems like every 10 days, there's a whole new something or other and a new thing to do and a new thing to add and a new interaction. It's basically, it's, it's cannibalizing itself. Where it's just like, it's to the point now where I never go to Facebook to originate a thought unless somebody asks me a question. And I gave up on the Facebook mail because it's every other one is some hack thing or it's some, it's like, hey, join my thing. And then you click on it, you're like, oh, wait, this isn't a real thing. And then the next thing from that person is, oh, I got hacked. So I just completely gave up on Facebook mail. And I have my, 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 uh, my personality page and my regular page and they both say, hey, come back and visit sometime soon. You have 16,000 people waiting for a response. It's like unbelievable. I just like, I can't keep up with it. And so I just gave up on it. So the only time I post on Facebook is when I also post uh, in conjunction through Instagram. So it's just, you click a couple of tabs and then it goes there too. And just talking about how things have fallen off. When I go on Instagram now, I'll put a post, I'll get a hundred comments on a post. When I that post at the same exact time post to Facebook, it gets three comments where 
I used to never have Instagram and I only had Facebook and I would get a hundred comments under a Facebook post. So now I think it, it seems to me that at least in my group of people in my generation and the circles of people that we hang out with, Instagram is the, is the accompaniment to YouTube, at least immediately thinking, but like both you guys do Twitter better than me. I, I also only respond to Twitter when I'm asked a question. I very rarely do I originate a thought. I notice when you guys tweet, you get lots of likes and lots of retweets. When I re- when I tweet or originate a thought, I get like five likes and one retweet. And that's just because I'm not active enough on it. It's really just there as an assistant to what I need to do to communicate through people or to people. And uh, just another thing, when I would do a vlog, I would get, you know, on the average, 100,000 views and in like maybe 20 to 48 hours, 24 to 48 hours. When I do an Instagram story, I'm only getting 20,000 to 25,000 views in in that same period of time, or I guess in the 24 hours. So it definitely helps when I do stories on Instagram and send people to YouTube. And when I don't do it, people are like, what's going on? Is everything okay? Because a lot of times I'll do like spurts of, of Instagram stuff and then I back off. Like, couple weeks ago, like last week, two weeks ago, I went to, I went to uh, 3M for the day and I did not do any stories just because I didn't think it was appropriate to say, Hey, I'm here in Minnesota. And everyone's going to be like, Oh, how's dinner tonight? Where's the hangout? Cause I was just there and out. I was just, you know, I was there literally for about 30 hours, but I think it helps Facebook. I'm not so sure. So I I'm mean, that helps. Little... Oh, sorry. I'm going to say Facebook will help, but for me, it's just a, it's just a PIA to get into it. Dave. So, so I'm going to get a little nerdy. If the question is about whether or not Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook help with YouTube video, YouTube views, I th- I'm going to say a very, very small portion of my views come from Instagram or Twitter. So I am looking at my YouTube analytics right now. And uh, 41% of my audience comes from browse. That's probably the subscription and the, and the homepage. And then there's 21% YouTube search and then 11% suggested videos. Underneath that is external. External is all everything outside of YouTube, which is 9.6%. And I click on external and the top things are Google search, my website, instructables.com, some website I have no idea the uh some another woodworking site then youtube then gmail and like so i'm like twitter is way down like 15 on that list and so a very like 0.03% of my views come from twitter like it's 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 so little it does help me communicate so there are people who follow me on twitter and instagram and and facebook and all that and it does help communicate it does sometimes get the word out but you i really don't know how to promote my videos post two or three days after after viewing because people are just are not clicking through i use twitter and instagram as kind of like a this is I'm more of a per- I'm a person. This is how you can get to know me. We can have a conversation. Like I'm going to post personal things. I'm going to, you know, things that I find funny. I'm going to retweet stuff that I think is is relevant to the audience. And it's just I don't make any money on Twitter and Instagram. I I haven't done an a paid Instagram post in uh, a year. It's just kind of like a like hey, this is just kind of like a behind the scenes of of my life and what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I kind of do the similar thing where <clears throat> I also promote the videos uh, and the other stuff that we do on those platforms. But I try for a little while. I got, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I don't know. I guess tired of just like trying to keep up with social media, and so for a little while, Instagram became just like we would do a cut down of the main video and we'd post it up there, and I just didn't have the stamina to just try to like continually post other stuff and that was just a few months of my life where I was just busy and tired you know (laughs) and so outside of that I've tried to make it kind of like you're saying David where it's it's about not just the projects but it's about me it's about us as a company as a group of people who do things together and um, so we're trying to use those as ways to to show and share stuff that doesn't make sense in YouTube videos. 
You know, like uh, the the quick funny stuff that happens is perfect for a uh, Instagram story. It doesn't make sense in the context of a video, right? Because that's that doesn't feed to our purpose of making the videos. So. Um, Instagram is a good place to put that extra little stuff. And if somebody isn't interested in it, then it's not in their way. You know, they have to actively go to Instagram to look for it, to, to get that side of me and us. I did a talk at WorkbenchCon a couple of years ago, and it was about being everywhere. And the whole idea was um, you, you have, like, all of us are multifaceted. All of us have a lot of stuff that we like to do, the interests that are all over the place. We have things that we care about, um, which are not necessarily what our main piece of content is. So our, as a content creator, you kind of pick a, I make these things, or I make this type of stuff, or I want to show this side of what I feel, or whatever, right? So you have kind of a direction as you want to do. But there, that's not all of you. You're You're complex Mm -hmm. and interested in multiple things. All of us are. And so my point in that talk was like, take advantage of the fact that podcasts exist, that Instagram and Twitter are different things, that Facebook is a thing that reaches a different group of people, whether it's you or not, it does reach a group of people. And I'm really bad at Facebook too. But the point of the talk was like, all of these things are an opportunity for you to take a piece of you that doesn't have a voice elsewhere and put it there. And so, like, let Instagram be where you do your funny skits. I don't know. Let Twitter be where you put your deep thoughts. Let live streams be where you make all your mistakes before you shoot a video about it. Mm. Whatever. But these are all different things. And you can easily use them to be a voice of a different part of you or a different interest that you have or or whatever. So don't. I don't think you have to feel like I have to have a the exact same type of presence on every social network that all leads back to this, you know, this giant marketing machine around the videos that I make. Like, you're human. Show the fact that you're human. That's a lot of fun for people because mm-hmm. other people are humans too. It kind of ties back to uh, something I was thinking about this morning after Maker Fair yesterday. One of the things that's so interesting about Maker Fair to me, and I think the online community is a great way around this issue that you see with people. One of the cool things about Maker Fair is that People go for the first time and they realize they're not the only one because they think like I was talking to uh, Jimmy and I met this girl and I don't remember her name, but she goes by cast iron gypsy. Oh, I think her name is Laura, Laura, Lauren. Um, Super sweet and does awesome cast iron work. And she was talking to me about this podcast and uh, basically was saying like, Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, basically, it was saying that like she does this cast iron metalwork, and she knew a few other people in different places. But there's no voice for that community for the people that do artwork in cast iron. And she was like, "Oh, I realized I should start a podcast to because nobody talks about this thing that we do." That's awesome. But there was before that she'd made that decision. There was a point where she was like, "I'm one of the few people that feels this way or that likes this thing." And then she realized that there's a whole community of people who make art out of the same material she does. And now she's creating a way to connect with those people through a podcast. And like, so yeah, it's, it's awesome. I think that's what the community is about. That's what maker fairs are about. And that what's, that's what social media can be about when you realize that there is a community of people out there that are into what you're into, who do what you do and you just haven't found them yet. And then when you find them, it's awesome because you realize you're not the only one. You've got people you can talk to about stuff and you can learn from and because everybody is kind of into different stuff, you end up finding like you go to Instagram for I don't know, cast iron work. And then you realize that the cast iron people are also into like leather work. And you're like, oh, I don't know anything about leather work. I'll go check that out. It's this cool interweaving of communities and interests. And I, that I think without multiple types of social networks probably wouldn't be as integrated as they are. If it were all YouTube, people would stay in their own lane probably a little bit more. But because you because people tend to spread themselves across different networks, I think you have a lot of like uh, you run into people that you wouldn't have run into otherwise. So my answer to this question is you don't have to use any of them, but you have an opportunity to use them for whatever you want. And that can be a good thing. Mm. I, I think some good advice is to don't be too self-promoting all the time in all the different areas. Use Use them as... Like 
retweet other people that you find interesting that the people that are following you, yeah. you, you that you would think would enjoy you know and 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 give some behind the scenes it's it, it can't i think people are turned off when you're hey look at me all the time you have to you have to make sure that you're you're giving value and you're entertaining or educating and just take it easy on the on the self marketing that's all i that's my advice write your name on everything <laughs> well see what so jimmy puts his name on everything and i do think that is brilliant because that frees you up from saying hey look at me look all at the me. time like you don't have to actually say it. it it's it's a very brilliant subtle way of marketing <laughs> thank you <laughs> i i kind of i kind of poo-pooed facebook but that's only because my own personal experience there are people that are very successful utilizing facebook i just get frustrated when the interfaces change quite a bit and you know everything's different we hate I'm change so as a human race i like if i go to my if i'm on my phone and i want to go to my face my 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 business facebook page and i want to see the last post that i did so i can go read the comments i have to scroll like through 800 things and sometimes it's not even there. And I'm like, I don't even know how to get to the last thing that I posted. Yeah. yeah screw Facebook. <laughs> Brandon, don't cut that out. I mean, the, <laughs> the thing that is is weird about Facebook, and everybody knows this, it's not a secret, but it's a pay-to-play situation. Like, you have to pay money to get the stuff that you post to the people who said they wanted to see it. And that's weird from at least our perspective, from as people who post to it. That's the problem, because I don't want to pay money into something that I don't absolutely know the return on. Mm-hmm. You know, I care about the money that I've made and how I use it, and I don't really want to dump it into something if I don't know if it's even going to like make an impact at all. Mm-hmm. And that makes it difficult. But on the on the flip side of that, there are people who know how to do it really well and who run their entire business off of Facebook, and they've just they've committed to that process of paying into it to get the eyeballs. And once you get the eyeballs, then you pay into it and you're getting back to those same eyeballs. You know, it's, it is a different thing that I think is a skill set all its own that I don't have the interest or time to learn. I think if you have something that you are trying to sell, I think Facebook is very important and you should Mm -hmm. learn how to, how to utilize that, that platform. So, yeah. And you, you talk about spending money. That's the great thing about YouTube and Twitter and Instagram is you don't have to spend a dime on marketing. Maybe you, if, if you're serious about it, maybe you're, you're going to need some help with some branding and, and the logos and stuff. But as far as self-promotion, that's what, it's all free. It yeah. is all free. That's why, what I mean, a lot of, a lot of people are frustrated. A lot of people are frustrated with, with websites like me in particular. And there's a lot of people like me that have websites that, you know, it's a real pain in the butt to try and upgrade that's that's why i focus on what i do on instagram that's like my own personal control over the content i put out there i'm not putting out pictures of food i'm not putting out pictures of ran oh look at this cool little thing you know it's focused on what i do and the people that i meet in the community and that's what i try and focus it on you know very rarely will i put up an oddball picture that's kind of for the stories cuz that's just temporary that might just go away quick you know so the stories is where i used to promote stuff i'll go back and if i have like dated material dated pictures i'll delete them just because there's no reason to have like an announcement for something but that being said i have to go back and delete delete some things that i have a little announcements for but in general uh it's 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 instagram is used to just be personally in control of the content that I put up daily. And, you know, a picture might be as powerful as a YouTube video. It depends on what it is, where it is, how it is. So mm. I, I think it's important to utilize the platforms you're comfortable with. And set. like, I like to use Instagram leading up to a video to tease and promote what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, Bob, you don't do that at all. And, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of like, what's what, what your personal style is. And, you know, they there's both no work. handbook. There's yeah. no handbook on how to do this. I mean, everybody is doing something completely different. Everybody's business model and the way we make our living is, even between the three of us, is completely different. Yeah. I think you oh, just yeah. got you got to make it interesting and fun for the people that are watching. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously everything, it's, it's, every, like, it's like everybody's fingerprint. Everything is totally tailored to the person that's creating the content and, and exporting the content to public. And I will say that, like, if, I don't know if the original question was about, 
was geared towards like I don't want to have to do all of these things. Kind of sounded a little videos. sounded a little bit like that. And it might be, and that's totally understandable because it can be exhausting to be like, well, I made, you know, I made this cup and I made a video about this cup and now I'm going to put that video up. But then I also have to make a post about this video about this cup on this social network. And then I have to make another one on this social network. And, you know, like it's exhausting to take a one thing and then just it just sprays out and you have to do a hundred other things around the one thing that you did. Mm -hmm. I get that. That's exhausting. And I think what everybody is saying is you don't have to, but um, if you really want people to see your cup, <laughs> then you have to put posts on all the things about the cup, um, you know, or try it. You know, you you can always you can always try these things, and if they they don't work for you or they're too much work, like just let it go, let it be stagnant, or you know, post it once a month or something. Like that's that's totally fine. I do think it's important though to go to all these social media platforms and get your name. That's what I always say. Like anything, yes. just go Absolutely. get your name, whether you utilize it or not. At least you're, you could be branded across all the platforms if if it's there, if you need it. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, there are moments in my life, like for instance, when I was using Snapchat for a while, I was having a lot of fun with Snapchat a few years ago. And then they kept changing the interface and they kept changing. And every time I opened Snapchat for a spontaneous, funny joke, it took longer and longer for it to load. And then I just said, forget Snapchat. And then a few months later, Instagram came up with their own Snapchat. So I was like, but let me try it. And now it's what we do every single day. So there are platforms that you get on. And for one reason or another, personally, you just say, you know what? I'm not doing this. I got on Snapchat because of you, Jimmy. You talked me into it. Oh, right. Are you still there? (laughs) No, uh, No. I haven't posted in a long time. No, because Instagram is there's I have more eyeballs and I can eat. I can tell the story quicker. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I'm on TikTok, but I have yet to post. Yeah. See, I, I, I still, I've been, ex- Twitch has been explained to me 10 times, nine of those times by the person that actually works at Twitch, and I still don't understand it. Is it Twitch? Bob, is it Twitch? Yeah. The well, purple one with the Twitch square? is a thing. Yeah. 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 Do you this still do Twitch? It's a live streaming platform. I used to do Twitch all the time. We did it every week. Yeah. And that's one of those things where I saw an opportunity to try it. We did it for a couple of years, yeah. every pretty Thursday. much every week. And then I just decided to stop doing it because it was a lot of extra time and work into something that I wasn't seeing necessarily the return. But it was also more than a return. It was, oh, no, what am I going to do on Twitch this week? Right. Mm, the stress. And, like, I don't have time to come up with another thing. I don't need the stress to come up with another thing to on do On top of live, making a weekly video? stressful I, in and of itself. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So... so you know, it, it's a good thing. And some people will make their entire business or their entire whatever they're doing around Twitch instead of YouTube or instead of Instagram or whatever. And that makes a little more sense than trying to do it in addition to those things. And the, the reason a lot of work. The yeah. reason I bring up Twitch is because when I went to go sign up, somebody took my name and then I wrote to Heather at Twitch and she wrote back. She's like, OK, we got because somebody had my name and wasn't doing anything with it. They just took it so that mm-hmm. I couldn't get it, which was kind of silly. And anyway, she got it back for me. And then I felt bad that I really didn't contribute much to Twitch, but I still don't understand what it is or how it works. And I'm also, you know, 52 years old. I don't think I belong on Twitch. <laughs> you have to want to do it. Yeah. 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 It's not worth it if you don't want it. None of these are worth it if you don't want to do it. Yeah, for sure. I mean. Because if it's not, good, if it's not fun time. for you, it's not going to be fun for the people who are viewing it. It's true. Absolutely. And that's the same yeah. with YouTube. Yep. Cool. Well, we're 55 minutes in. You guys got anything else on social stuff? You just got to do what works for you. And, and you know, even if you experiment with it and have fun with it. And if it's not working, mm-hmm. then just do it. Focus focus your core on whatever it is that you, you, you're getting the most gratification out of. Mm-hmm. I like watching Jimmy's stories because it's like a totally like, hey, we're going to Home Depot and or we're going to Walmart <laughs> and we're just going to pick through stuff. And it's just a, it's great and entertaining and then it's gone in 24 hours how how fun yeah. is that and i do it fairly i do it fairly infrequently and that's what i think keeps it fresh it's like mm. you know we could do it every other day and be like oh the walmart stories every other day but I, taylor and i haven't been to walmart in probably a month and a half together and uh so yeah this i think we're primed for a new walmart story soon and Taylor's always like, don't, no, 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 no. I don't want to be filmed because she's like in sweatpants. and I'm Like, I don't want to film. And then, then all of a sudden she starts like break dancing. It's like, okay, you can film that. All right, cool. <laughs> That's great. That's uh, funny. 
Um, well, let's uh, thank our Patreon supporters while you guys figure out what you're going to talk about. Uh, big thanks to our top supporters. Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Maker and Training, Fun Kissed Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks. You can make this too. Modern DIY and Jenny and Davis. But there's a whole bunch of other people over there that support us, and we're really grateful. It was funny. Earlier on, you were talking about websites being hard. And in my mind, I thought, this would be a great spot for a Squarespace advertisement. <laughs> because it would have been. But we don't need uh, sponsors because of Patreon. So that's really cool. Thank you to everybody that helps us out over there. Um, if you want to help out the show, you can go to patreon.com slash making it. And everybody over there gets the after show, which we're going to record right after this. And it's more of us. Uh, we usually talk about different stuff. Sometimes there's secret, like what we're working on, what's coming up. Jimmy always has some TV thing that he's talking about or something. <laughs> uh, I'll talk about secret stuff this week. Ooh. Yeah, what all secret stuff. What I'm doing in California. Excellent. Ooh. Cool. So go to patreon.com slash making it. And help us out. Or don't. Totally up Can to Can I go you. first? Because I'm going to say it before everybody else. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Click. Did anybody watch Click Spring this week? No. Oh, my God. You got to see. He makes a, a playing card press. So Click Spring's latest video is just... Un- it's, he's, like, on another level. It's, like... He's, like, an alien with, like, far advanced <laughs> technology. It's amazing what this guy can do. It is unbelievable. He makes this playing card press. It, it looks like something that would have been made like in the 1500s in France. It's unbelievable the skill and craftsmanship he brings to everything he does. It's just incredible. And the filmmaking just keeps you engaged. Click spring, just unbelievable. I, I, I just, I just want to say thank you to Chris because it's just unbelievable. Oh, it's for Chris Ramsey too. That's cool. Who's Chris Ramsey? Sweet. Chris Ramsey is a magician on YouTube who's so much fun to watch. Oh, thanks um, for saying because I didn't know of, who that was. I maybe it said in the description. Yeah, he's but a, I didn't read it. It probably is in the description, but he's a yeah, he's a magician. He does like street magic stuff and also just he does a lot of explaining tricks. So he'll he'll teach how to do a trick, but then he'll also do tricks for people and film the their reactions and stuff. Um, but he's actually a lot of fun to watch. He's got a great camera presence, and he's really good at what he does, obviously. So, yeah. Oh, I just found him. I'm subscribing right for one. second. Yeah. Oh, and then he put a video right, up. David, of the, he put a video up of the card press itself. So, there you go. Oh, cool. Excellent. Mine is, it, he's a filmmaker, and it, there's, it, his videos are absolutely just fantastic. The channel is called Make Art Now, with a period between each word. And I don't know what he does for a living. He must be a filmmaker, but his videos on how to make film are just, they're epic in themselves. So many great, beautiful tips. It's like that Peter McKinnon style, but he gives you like how to do that. It's just, he only posts like once a month and it's really, it's it's upsetting, probably because he has a real, real life. Because I want to see so much more from this guy. Life. Yeah. <laughs> So make art now. It, his videos are just fantastic. I picked up some great production tips from him. He's kind of like every time I watch his videos, he reminds me of Bruce Campbell from the Evil Dead days. Like there's, it just huh. feels like I'm watching Bruce Campbell on on YouTube. I just subscribed. Interesting. Huh. That's pretty cool. Looks like good stuff. He looks familiar because he's Bruce Campbell. He doesn't look. He doesn't look like Bruce Campbell to me, but he does look familiar. Anyway, um, so I have two. One is I just randomly came across it, I guess, by going to the home screen of YouTube. Yeah. Oddly enough. Yeah. Um, and it's the forbidden let me zone. see if I can find the guy's name because that's important. Um, I haven't watched any of his other stuff, actually, because I forgot to go back and look at the rest of his channel. But it's by a guy named Andrew Zeto. It's S-Z-E-T-O. Zeto. I don't know exactly how you say that, but... This video just came up. I don't know why, because I wasn't looking for any of this type of stuff. But it's a time lapse, an eight-minute time lapse of building an A-frame cabin from scratch. And so he and another guy frame up an A-frame cabin. They build the outside. They build the inside. The inside has a climbing wall on one side and a little loft up at the top. And it's super cool. And it's eight minutes. So it's not, it's not like a real long process to watch. And he doesn't talk. There's no... 
it's just music and everything. So you don't necessarily learn how to do it, but seeing the process of, you know, a, a cabin that's raised off the ground with an A-frame, it, I don't know, it's really cool. And it got me going like, oh, I could do that on the farm. He's got a video on would. how to make an Eames lounge chair out of skateboards. This is amazing. Oh, really? yeah. yeah. I saw that video pop up the other day. Wow, I'm subscribing to him now. Boy, this is yeah. such a great video. Yeah. So such a great channel. Um, yeah, he's got six 6,000 subscribers, so we could change that. Yeah, I haven't even looked at his channel. Oh, he has optical illusion cutting boards. He has multiple yeah. cabins and chairs and a segmented recycled skateboard baseball bat. That sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Making climbing holds from recycled skateboards. Yeah, so I'm going to subscribe to him right now. Um, anyway, go check it out because it got me looking at like, oh, well, maybe I could, maybe I was overcomplicating the cabin thing and I could do something like this, mm-hmm. uh, it, which is still a lot of work, but, you know, a, a one room, all in one lofted kind of something along that lines. Um, anyway, yeah, go check mm-hmm. that out. Mm-hmm. Um, so- and the other one, I had two, the other one is something I stumbled across as well. And so one of my favorite songs of all time is Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing. And mm-hmm. if you ever get to see a video of him playing it live, mm-hmm. just it blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that song performed by someone named Luna, and she's using... Oh, gosh. Let me see if I can figure out the name of this instrument. I, I probably won't be able to even say it correctly if I can find it. But it's, it's um, one of those, like multi-stringed it's almost like a harp and a guitar mixed so Hmm. it's like lays down flat across the across your lap and it's got all these different strings and you pick and strum and to change the note you're pushing down on the string is it a lap steel so you get this no it's it's like a it's an asian instrument and i don't know i can't find the name of it i'm sure it says in her uh I'm not even going to try to say it. Ah. <laughs> I'll, just, spell I'll just make some mad. Spell it quick. Mad. Spell it quick. Well, I I'll don't even it. know if that's the name of the instrument. Say it quick. I'll spell it. I'll say it. Hang on. Let me just... Xylophone. No, it's not a xylophone. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. Harpsichord. Let me see if I can find the name. I just don't want to like do it wrong. Okay, so it's G-A-Y-A-G-E-U-M. Oh, Gawawam. Yeah, I know that. Oh, one of those. Yeah, I got one okay. hanging on the wall back You can back offend here. people. Cool. Sounds good. <laughs> a guy will boom. Um, anyway, it's <laughs> awesome. And so I started watching a lot of her videos, and she does a lot of different types of music, but plays it on this kind of traditional Asian instrument, but she adds, like, guitar effects to it. And so she played, like, Thunderstruck, and she's done, like, some The electric guy will boom. And... <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If you want anyway, it's to very hear cool. Jimmy just say I'll that like over and over again, hang on to the after shows. Guy will yeah, I'm sure we'll hear it. Yeah. Is that even remotely close? I have no idea. Oh, That's why that. I didn't say it, because I don't know. <laughs> oh. Anyway. Anyway. It's cool. Go listen to it. I don't it has just an awesome vibe to it. Okay. Hi. You guys got anything else? That's it. I do. I have one thing. Okay. Oh, this week I made okay. a video with Brad Leone from... Bon oh, we didn't talk about that. And we had such a fun time. I I, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to think that a bromance has started. I, I, maybe it's just one-sided. <laughs> but Brad and I had so much fun. We had so many laughs. We had kind of very similar upbringing. From, I'm on Long Island. He's in New Jersey. Very similar backgrounds. Super funny guy. We had so many laughs. We made a, a barbecue pit that, that lives on the ground. And we made it raise and lower, and we keep joking that we're going to actually go into business making these and selling them. It was a little bit of my thoughts versus a little bit of his thoughts together. We came up with this this on-the-ground barbecue pit, which goes right in the back of your car, covered in grease and dirt. And we we had so many laughs. And I don't know when it's going to come out, but it will be a two-part series where I teach Brad. Well, he seems to, he already knows how to weld, but I give him some tips on welding with gas. He's never welded with a with a, a a MIG welder with gas. He's only ever used flux core. So he, he, he really has a revelation in realizing like how much more of a pleasant experience it is to weld with gas. And uh, we just had a lot of laughs, so many funny moments. And if you do watch the Bon Appetit channel and you watch Brad's videos, uh, you'll realize how spontaneous the edit is and, and how much fun 
the the editors and, and the filmmakers bring to the video. It's a lot of behind the scenes stuff, and you know they always show couple of takes of, of the bad takes versus the good takes. It's done with a very tongue-in-cheek, very, very uh, lighthearted manner. Let me, let me ask you a question that both yeah. of you, in your main subs- subscription feed on YouTube, are the videos tutorial videos or are you watching videos for their particular personality? Um, personality, definitely more personality than anything else. It's a good point. That's yeah. a good question. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason that I'm asking this is so the audience knows they're like, cause we're talking about self-promoting and all this. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's in our space, there's two types of videos you can make. You can do the step one, step two, step three, or you can do the, Hey, this is me. This is what I do. I hope you enjoy type thing, you know? Yeah. And this this thing with me and Brad is all personality driven. It's That's so great. much fun. I haven't I don't know the edit, but if I could imagine some of the craziest stuff, we'll make the edit just based on watching the the previous videos from this team. So much fun. And that being said, I watch videos for personality that are good, and I watch videos for personalities that are bad because some people have like a <laughs> the channel. It's like a train wreck. I can't look away. And I'm just like, wow. I can't believe he's saying this again. I can't. What? Oh, it's, oh, it's like oh, when he's we doing were it again. Teenagers so. and or young young adults, and we would drink and watch. We would try to find the worst movie we could possibly rent. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I watch a couple of channels yes. for that exact reason. Wow, that sounds like torture. Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> this is amazing. It's an education of what not to do. Do you have so much free time that you're like, I'm going to actually subscribe and go watch terrible videos? Because the best is when we do like a mystery really? science theater 2000 with a friend or two, and we mm-hmm. put it on like in a car, and oh, we're all just yeah. like, Oh, yeah. what is wrong with him? That kind of stuff. <laughs> Never ever my release videos aren't on that list. list of those videos. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the after. After after show, right, but it's just right. me alone after, with my after, cats. After. <laughs> All right. Speaking of, let's go do the after show. Love Thanks you. for listening, everybody. Thank uh, you. We'll see you next time. What is wrong with you? Love you. <laughs>